Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. All right, so by now we're all open to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 12. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is twisted cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I thought to myself, look, I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. And then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this, too, is a chasing after the wind. For with much, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Well, I think I can honestly say that this is one of the most challenging books of the 66 books that we have in the Bible. It certainly challenged me as I reread it in preparation for this series. I think in the next six weeks, including today, you're going to find yourself challenged by the wisdom that Solomon put down in this book. And one of the more challenging things is that some of the cultural elements that Solomon was facing, both in his own life and in the people that he was leading as king, are here and now, 3,000 years later in America, very much part of our culture today too. And some of the things that he's going to say to us, I think you're going to find them pretty surprising. And as I say, I think you're going to find them challenging some of the views that maybe even you have long held. I know I did. One of the things that I've always firmly believed in is the value of education. In fact, I myself have always had a fascination with education. I love to read. People know this about me. I devour books. I have several advanced degrees because I believe that you can never learn enough. I can't tell you. In fact, I'm embarrassed maybe to tell you how much I've spent on my children's education, it's a lot of money. Beginning back in Africa where we sent our children to uh, an international school and then continuing on. And there's one sense in which I'm not embarrassed. Many of their years, they were given an amazing Christian education. And of course, in that sense, I got much more value than I ever paid for. But when you start to add up five kids and all the, the amount that we've invested into education, it's an amazing sum of money. So as I stand before you today, and I'm reading this section, and if you follow along as I read it, and I'm going to tell you that sometimes we can get a wrong fascination with education, or that our fascination with education can mislead us, get that I'm saying that from the perspective of one who believes in lifelong learning, who has invested himself his money, time, and effort into education, who believes in the power and the blessing of education. All that being said, what we're going to learn this morning is that good things can be twisted. Blessings can be gutted 
of their real value. You see, and this is, uh, this is one of the very first things that I want you to write down in your crosswalk notes. Why don't you pull those out? Sometimes in life, we're not dealing with things that are clear-cut good versus evil, are we? Right? Isn't it true that sometimes in life, we're dealing with things that are in and of themselves what we would call good, but they can be twisted? And in the twisting of them, they can become worthless, useless, sort of, sort of like a, a tool that you're trying to use, and it gets bent, and now you can't use it for the original intent that you had. So sometimes in life, we're dealing with matters that are not of themselves sinful. Education is one of those. And this morning, as we talk about the fascination that we have with education, I don't want to leave the impression with any of you that I'm saying, Stop with all that education stuff. It's sinful. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, and I'm not just saying that because worshiping in ALA's gym. I want you to know that. <laughs> or because a lot of my friends teach here at ALA, and, and I have friends that are uh, college professors. No, it's not that I'm not trying to offend them. Education is a tremendous blessing from God. And so as we go through, and this is not going to be the last one, by the way, in the book of Ecclesiastes, as we go through these things, you're going to go, is he trying to make something sinful out of something good? No. Solomon is simply saying, if we twist things the wrong way, if we, if we pull the guts out of things, sometimes they can mis- mislead us and, and take us astray. And that's the second point. Satan is able to twist and to create a disconnect even in things that were intended to be God's blessings, okay? Probably the pivotal verse, as I see it in these verses that we have before us, is verse 15. Look at what Solomon writes. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. One of the things that we have to understand from a biblical point of view is that that we have... In spiritual terms, we have some very powerful enemies. The devil or Satan. The world around us and its culture, which is not always centered on God. And then there's the enemy within our own sinful nature. And between those three enemies, and I would say in particular Satan, they would love to take something good, a blessing, and and put a little twist on it. So that it becomes useless. They would like to, any of you ever played Jenga, right? Yeah, that's that game where you pull blocks out one at a time, but you try to do it in such a way that it doesn't collapse, right? Satan would love to Jenga-size your blessings. He would like to just pull certain things out and take the core out. And, and what he most wants to do is he wants to disconnect blessings from their creator, namely God. He wants to disconnect things like education from its source, and he wants to disconnect education from its real purpose. So I want you to write those words somewhere down in a blank space because those two words are critically important. If we forget the source of a blessing, if we forget the purpose of a blessing, that's when something gets twisted. And that's when it gets Jenga-sized. Is that a word? I don't think that's a word. Maybe I'll just use the word gutted. 
So how do we know? How can we tell in our own life when God is trying to take something that's in and of itself a blessing, a good thing, and, and twist it so that it takes us off track? You see, that's really what Solomon is writing to us about. Because you, this is Solomon trying to share some of the wisdom that he's gained from his life. I, I want to build a picture in your mind of what Solomon is doing here. And the best way I could think of to do this is, have you ever opened up like the Arizona Republic? And a lot of times they'll have a huge ad in there. And it's one of those leadership conferences or something. And they, they invite all these big speakers in. You'll get Colin Powell and all these guys. And they're, they're coming in to teach teach you in this conference everything that they've learned from their experience, okay? Ecclesiastes is like Solomon's life leadership conference. Solomon, in his day, is sort of a combination of your favorite president and your favorite businessman and your, your favorite economist and your favorite pastor, all rolled into one person, right? And, and one other thing that we know from reading 1 Kings chapter 4 is that Solomon mainly taught people who were themselves successful. A lot of what he did was kings would send their people to Solomon because they had heard about Solomon's wisdom, and these kings would send their, their advisors to Solomon and go pick his brain, find out what he's doing. Learn from his wisdom. So can you picture this conference? And in this conference, Solomon is saying, here are some things that I've learned. Remember, Solomon loved wisdom. When God asked him to pray for anything in the world that he wanted, just ask me for anything, God said, and I'll give it to you. Solomon asked for wisdom. And then if you look at these passages, he didn't just ask for it. He worked at it. Take a look at um, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Look, I have grown and increased in wisdom. You see, he didn't just, it wasn't as if one day God just said, bam, you're the wisest guy who ever lived. Solomon says, I grew and I increased in wisdom. More than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me, I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. And it says, then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom. So here he is. You know what his main goal is? Here's the conference goal. The leadership conference goal is, I want to keep you from reaching the end of your life and looking back and saying, my whole life was a waste. My whole life was time ill-spent. I wish I could do it all over again. I have nothing but regrets in my life. Can you imagine living a life and getting to that point? But that's, that's what we're going to be going through in the next six weeks is we're going to be taking in Solomon's wisdom so that we can apply it to ourselves so that we don't reach that point and we don't have that tragic outcome. Wouldn't that be a tragedy of the biggest order to reach the end of your life and to look back and go, it was all a waste. 
It was nothing more. I just chased my tail, or as Solomon said, I just chased the wind. And the very first thing Solomon says is, do you realize that even trying to get wisdom and knowledge and understanding, that is, even a fascination with education does not necessarily get you where you want to be? All right? And so here are three questions that I want to impart to you from Solomon today. In case you're asking yourself, so how do I... How do I not reach that point? How do, I not, how do I not get to that tragic point at the end of my life where I go, it was all a waste? And, and Solomon gives us three questions. So let's dig into Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. The first place I want to point you to is just that very first verse. Here's a guy who was in a position to know. That's why he says what he does in verse 12. I'm the teacher. And that word literally means the collector. All right. Here was a guy who was going around trying to collect wisdom from all over. And this collector of wisdom says, and I applied it. I applied it to leadership here in Jerusalem. So I'm qualified to speak to you on this. And then he says, I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. So here's the first question that Solomon invites us to ask, to make sure that Satan, the world, our own flesh, don't twist good blessings from God like education. And the first question is, what's the focus of my devotion? Notice what Solomon says there. I devoted myself to what? To study, to trying to gain wisdom. And that word devote literally means I gave my heart to seeking out, to investigating. Now, I'm going to take that in two parts. The first thing, really, that Solomon's trying to get us to think about is, what should we be giving our heart to? Solomon said, I gave my heart to trying to get wiser and smarter, to get an education. And and in the end, what does he say? At the end of it, it was nothing more than chasing the wind. He's saying, I wish I had not just given my heart fully to that thing. And isn't that a lesson that we really learn throughout the entire Bible? To be very careful about what we give our heart to. And there are so many things that we can give our heart to. But how critical it is, and you know that God asks for this. He says, I want you to love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. I want you to give your heart to me alone, first and foremost. So the very first thing that Solomon is teaching is, look, I gave my heart first and foremost to trying to get smarter, and it became a chasing out of the wind. I wish that I had not done that. Now, the second part is, I gave my heart to seeking 
And that word literally means to wear a path. You know how um, when you're looking for something really precious, you kind of pace back and forth like this, looking for it? You ever done that? You know, you dropped a contact on the floor, or you lost a piece of jewelry or something like that, and you're, you're kind of like this. Can you imagine losing something like in Africa? People lived in villages, and their, their living room was kind of outdoors, right? And when they lost something there and they walked around, literally they were beating the grass down, making a path looking for this precious thing. And that's how Solomon describes himself. I was, I was literally wearing a bare spot out. I was searching so hard to collect these different items of wisdom. Now, what does God say that we should be wearing a path to? Take a look in your crosswalk notes. First Chronicles 22, 19, what does it say? Will you read it with me? Now devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. To whom does God want us to give our hearts? To whom does God want us to beat a path and wear out the soil that we're looking so hard for him? Clearly, First Chronicles tells us that, doesn't it? In fact, the Bible always compliments people who do this. Look at the Second Chronicles reference I put. And this is, this is given as a compliment. His heart was devoted, it says, to the ways of the Lord, completely given over to, seeking the ways of the Lord. And Jesus says the same thing. He says he, God wants our undivided heart. We may try to, to devote our, our hearts to different things. Jesus says it pretty plain and simple. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You see, in the end, what Solomon's teaching us is not that the search for wisdom is wicked or evil or wrong or that education is bad it's when it gets twisted and we begin to expect things of education that education can never truly give us and so we begin to devote our time and our energy and our heart because we think that education can maybe give me the answers i'm looking for or we think that education can, can, can maybe provide me with the work I'm looking for, right? Or give me, ultimately over time, the wealth I feel I need, right? And so we begin to devote more and more and more of our time and money and effort toward education. And our heart gets detached from the true educator, capital E, God himself. And that's the risk that we run when we think that life is all about collecting as much knowledge and wisdom as we can. So here's our first question. It's a pretty simple one. What's the focus of my devotion? I hope that's something that you'll ask yourself. And as you ask yourself that, please Think about this more than anything else. 
you have a God that is completely devoted to you. Do you know that? What, what an amazing God who literally has given his heart to you. And in giving his heart to you, he gave his son to you. A God who literally beats a path to the doorway of your heart because he wants you that much. He loves you that much. He's seeking you that much. Remember when Jesus was walking around uh, when he came into this world and how he, he went to one village after another so they could kind of grab people by, the, by their lapel and go, I'm the Savior. I'm the answer. I'm the way, the truth. I'm the life, he told people. How he, if he could have, literally wore a path in the Sea of Galilee going across back and forth, how he ultimately and truly wore a path to the cross and set his mind and his heart to be crucified for you and me so that our sins could be forgiven and how the path led from the cross to the empty tomb, the resurrection, and he did that all because of one reason. He's completely and utterly devoted to you. Let's go on to the second question. Let's take a look at that passage again. I said that is kind of the the pivotal point in this section of Ecclesiastes. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. You know, that's almost a proverb written there. You know what Solomon is saying with it? He's really saying, you know, we have to have our expectations in the right place. He's saying that once things do get twisted, once things do get gutted of their real purpose or their real source, it is, is, boy, I can't talk. Let me get that out. I'm going to spit that out. It is almost impossible to straighten them back out again. Almost impossible. In fact, if you look at it carefully, I think he's saying proverbially, it is impossible. It cannot be straightened. Whatever is taken out, whatever we gut out of something, you can't count it. Expectations. They are so incredibly important. You know what psychologists teach, don't you? Psychologists teach, and you may have heard me say this before because I've, I've used this in previous messages. Psychologists teach that your emotional pain is the difference between your expectations and your perceived reality. So once you set up a certain set of expectations about something, wherever your perceived reality comes in, if it's down here, And your expectations were up here. What are you going to experience? A lot of pain. Because this is what you were looking for. This is what you were expecting. And this is what you're getting. Now, if you can bring it up closer, it won't be so painful. Right? How many people expect amazing things out of their education? Right? 
And how many people today are in a lot of emotional pain? You know them, right? Because they went on and they spent a lot of money and time and effort building up an education, advanced degrees. And in the last several months, what's happened to them? Anybody sitting here feeling like all those years spent getting those degrees was in vain? Why did I do that? Why did I put all that effort into that only to get fired from my job? Only to get laid off as 25% of the company got laid off? You see, we have these expectations. And as I said earlier, we think that our education is going to bring us so many amazing, wonderful things. We, that's part of our culture here in America. Get a good education because through education, good things come to you. And that's not all wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. What I'm saying is that when that becomes, when that thought becomes a part of our culture, we can get confused between the blessing of education and the provider of education and the one to whom, the one alone to whom we should bring our expectations, the one alone on whom we can truly hang our expectations and know that he will always answer in love, right? And so what ends up happening is we, we get confused between this created blessing, namely education, and wisdom and knowledge, tremendous blessing from God, but it's a creature, a created blessing from God. And then in that we lose sight of the creator, the creator of, of, of all things, the one who can truly meet our expectations. And when that happens, that's when we lose sight of God. And that's why Satan, the world, our sinful flesh, would love us to hang major expectations on education and gaining wisdom. Because when an economy like this comes along, what happens? We get dashed to the ground. And there's nothing that the devil loves to see better than Christ followers in confusion, in despair, feeling angry and disappointed because often when we experience those emotions, where are we tempted to point? Where are we tempted to point? God, how come? Why are you letting me down? But is it really God? Or is it more that we've hung our expectations in the wrong place? Where do our expectations belong? Pull out those crosswalk notes again. Solomon had a father. Anybody remember what Solomon's father's name was? He was also a king. King named David. Described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. David, Solomon's father, wrote Psalm 5. And I want you to look at that. Because David tells us where our expectations belong. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning... I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. See, there's where all of our expectations belong. On the Lord. 
on the God who loves us. Even Jesus taught that. And the crowds who followed Jesus naturally caught on to that. I put Luke 8.40 in there. When Jesus returned, this was from one of those trips across the Sea of Galilee. It says in Luke 8.40, a crowd welcomed him for they were all, what were they doing? They were expecting him. There was a man in that crowd. His name was Jairus. Jairus was waiting expectantly for Jesus because Jairus had a daughter who was very, very, very ill. And Jairus, the moment he saw Jesus, ran to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I need you to come to my house as quick as you can. Please, my daughter is ill and I'm afraid she's going to die. Jesus listened to him, his, his expectant request, and he, and he went with Jairus. They got about halfway to Jairus' house. And along came a messenger to meet them. Messenger said, Jairus, send the teacher away. Your daughter has died. Can you imagine where that father's expectations went in that moment? It's too late. What can I do now? I'll bet his expectations were lower than the ground. But Jesus said something amazing. He said, let's keep going to your house. And when he got inside the house, there was a crowd of mourners there all crying and wailing. Jesus looked at him and he said, she's not dead. She's only asleep. Their expectations of Jesus were so low that they literally almost laughed him out of the house. They, they burst out into laughter. But Jesus went on ahead, despite their expectations, to where the girl was lying. And he told Jairus' daughter, get up, get out of bed. And this girl, who was indeed dead, rose from her bed and, and came alive again. What do you think that was? Reality versus Expectations? expectations, reality. And that's the way it is with God, right? Take a look at that passage I told you about earlier. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. See, that's your Jesus. He's able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine. Now, I can imagine some pretty big things. I can ask, and I have asked, some pretty big things. But I can never out-ask God's power to give. I can never out-dream God's power to meet my expectations. Does that mean he always answers my prayers exactly the way I want them answered? No. He tells me he's not going to always because he has love. He has the big picture. He knows better than I do. And I trust him for that. But I also trust that I can never outdream God and I can never outask God's power to do what he wants to do in my life. And isn't that an amazing thing? And that's why it's important that we ask ourselves, what's 
what's the focus of my expectations? Is it my education? Is it my degrees? Is it all this experience I've built up over the years? How can they fire me now? How could I possibly lose this job? I've been here for years. I know so much. If we set our expectations in the wrong place, we're setting ourselves up. And that's exactly what Satan would love us to do. Hang your expectations on the God who can meet all expectations. What's the focus of my expectations? That's number two. Number three is this. Take a look at Ecclesiastes. I thought to myself, look, I've grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too, this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Now I want you to pay attention to the verbs there. Verbs are very important in the Bible. Do you notice the two verbs? I've experienced, Solomon says. And then in 17, I applied myself to. Remember what I said earlier about Solomon? When he prayed for wisdom, it's not like all that wisdom and knowledge just came pouring into his brain all at once. He grew and increased in knowledge because he worked at it. In fact, as you read through Ecclesiastes, as you read through the Proverbs that Solomon also wrote, you're going to probably be struck by the fact that this guy was maybe a little ADD. I say that because Solomon was not a guy just to get his knowledge from books. This was a guy who said, I've got experience that. Next week, we're going to be talking about um, the saying, work hard, play hard. You've heard that, right? Work hard, play hard. It's kind of a very famous American philosophy in today's world. In fact, I've even said work hard, play hard. I think there's some wisdom to it. But Solomon's going to tell us a little bit about work hard, play hard next week. And as you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, you will see that Solomon experienced working hard. And he also experienced playing hard. He was a guy who knew how to act on what he desired. And now he's standing before this conference. And he's basically saying, people, you can deceive yourselves. Key point. You can fool yourselves. You can get yourself to believe, especially Christ followers, I am fully devoted to Jesus. I, I really am. But it will, it will be self-deception when you say it. You can, you can get yourself to say and even believe that you mean it when you say, I don't put my expectations anywhere but on God. And so Solomon comes and he says, here's the third question, and it's an important one. What's the focus of your actions? You see, because if you'll step back and look at how you're acting, that's what will tell you whether you are truly devoted 
and truly looking expectantly to God alone. Where are you spending your time? You willing to step back and, and look at your calendar? Solomon asks. Let's take your calendar of activities. Let's see how fully devoted to God you really are, right? Let's, um, let's see where you're spending your money. When, when are you uh, pulling out your shekels? They didn't have credit cards in those days. Where are you pulling out your shekels, right? And spending them. Right? When I looked at myself, Solomon said, I found I was spending a ton of time trying to get an education. I spent a lot of money on it. And now here at the end of my life, I'm telling you guys openly, I'm just opening up my heart. It was all a waste. Because in doing that, I was more fully devoted to myself than I ever was to God. In doing all of that, I was putting my expectations in the wrong place. What amazing wisdom that is for you and for me. Any of you who's ever been a coach, any of you who who has ever been a teacher, you know that you have to ask people ultimately, okay, you're telling me that you're passionate about this? You're telling me that you want this more than anything? Let's look at what you're doing And that's what Solomon is saying to you and to me today. You say that you're passionate about this God who's passionate about you, who is fully devoted to you in love all the way to the cross and the empty tomb. You're you're saying that you don't hang your expectations on your education or anything else, your job or what have you. You simply hang them on God Let's look at your actions. You do know, and I hope you leave today knowing this. Look at what Jesus did. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that when Jesus said and promised for thousands of years in prophecy to his people, I'm fully devoted to you. I'm fully devoted to you that he kept every one of those promises that he prophesied. He acted on each and every one of them because of his love. Then he acted on them. And because of his actions, living a perfect life for you and me, making the perfect sacrifice of himself on the cross for us because of his actions. Now we can tap into those actions, can't we? Because you and I are going to fail, sometimes miserably, in our actions. But because Jesus acted on his love, because Jesus acted on his promises, we can go to him and say, Lord, please, can I wear that robe of righteousness that you've knit for me out of your actions? Can I have the perfection of life that you won from me by your perfect life? Can I, can I have it? And you know what Jesus says to you? Here it is. It's a gift. I want you to have it because I want you to be with me in eternity. Isn't it amazing that you and I, we have a God who loves us so 
very much that he's fully devoted to us. He promises to meet our expectations above and beyond anything we can ask or even imagine. What kind of love is that? It's an amazing love. And in God, who doesn't just talk, a Savior who acts. And he says, here, you take my actions, they're yours. That's the kind of God that now comes to you and me and he says, here's some questions for you. Are you fully devoted to me? Are you willing to make me the focus of your expectations? Are you, are you ready when you focus to act on that passion that you have for me? And as we go through the rest of this series, keep those three questions in mind because we're going to talk about a lot of things. But in the end... What Solomon is doing is not only getting us to try to avoid a tragedy, the tragedy of living a life that's nothing more than chasing wind. He's also trying to point us into the direction of true significance in life. How can I make my life truly important? Truly a contribution in God's sight. As we go through the rest of this series, I think you're going to find the answer to that question. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus for us. What an amazing act of love. And Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you help us to to stay focused on the right things, on the right kind of education, the education that leads us more and more into your word so that we can know the depth of your love and your forgiveness and your mercy and grace. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we appreciate the blessing of wisdom and knowledge and education that you give us. But help us, help us so that 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 amazing blessing does not get twisted up in our lives and that we begin to do things with our education that, that education was never meant to be or do. Help us to look always to you and to be fully devoted to you to hang all our expectations on you and to act as servants serving you daily we pray this in jesus name amen thank you for listening to the crosswalk church podcast for more information visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com